Welcome back to Green Grasses with Cameron and Carla. Today we are going to talk to our friend Emily Miles about her journey in trusting the Lord through miscarriages. Hi, Emily. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, thanks for having me. And I love Emily because uh, I just I got to know her when she was still single, and it's been a long time that we've known each other, and we love sports. Yeah. So we do. I just love Emily, but I'll tell you a little bit more about her. Uh, she was born and raised in Arizona. She's a second-generation native. Um, she's been married to her husband, Omri, for 10 years. They have five children, ages 7, 6, 3, 2, <laughs> and 7 months. Wow. Um, she's a stay-at-home mom, and she currently homeschools. Now, one thing I have to say, we've heard from Omri, her husband. And so if you want to get to know him a little bit, you can go back and listen to the episode on systemic racism. Anyway, I just wanted to kind of plug that a little bit because if you're wondering who, uh, who Emily's husband is, you can get to know him a little bit with one of, uh, one of the podcasts we did back in season one. Um, so yeah, now what do we have? Our get to know you question? That's right, Carla. We have our get to know you question. So our question today is, uh, how did you come to be married slash fall in love slash end up <laughs> with the person you're married to? Um, and is there anything in looking back that you think could have gone better during that time, you know, where the Lord was bringing you together? So Carla, why don't you go first? Okay, I'll go first. Well, so when I met Steve, I was getting to know his roommate. <laughs> so that's kind of how things started. It was not serious, but that's how we met. Um, and it wasn't like six months until six months later that we actually started dating. And um, so that's kind of how we met. Wait, remind me again, what, how old were you? Like, what season was this in? I was 28 when we met. And so um, one of the ways that I actually started to, like, like him is because I, we were having a political conversation, and I said something like, I already know what you're going to say, so I don't want to hear it. I totally meant it. And he came back and told me anyway. And then when I heard him say what he said, I was like, well, we actually agree. But I didn't think we were going to agree because I had all kinds of ideas about what I thought he was going to say. And I won't go into it because I may start a political conversation. So I don't want to go there. But that was one of the first times that I thought about him like, oh, here's someone who like thinks through his answers before he speaks. Mm -hmm. And I'm so thankful that he ignored how rude I was, because I never talked to anybody like that. And for some reason, I felt like I could with him. I don't even know. I don't even know. I don't even really know why it, why I came across that way. He has no memory of this conversation. <laughs> but it kind of changed kind of what I thought about him. So that was our first. That's how I started to like, oh, this guy's kind of interesting. And then the more we got to know each other, I saw how much he loved scripture. That's really what did it. <laughs> But anyway, so the Lord brought you together through politics. I mean, but he kept, maybe he kept you together through scripture. Yes. Yes. True. And through roommate. Is there any, and through the roommate, is there anything uh, looking back that you think could have gone better, Carla? I don't know if could have gone better, but just now looking back, I would have done differently as I would have eloped a week after I decided I wanted to marry him, which was a week after we started dating. So... 
we should have just gotten married way before we did. And we only dated and were engaged total of nine months. So that was too long for me. So, so you're saying if you could go back, you would, you would get married in like two weeks or something? Three weeks? Like two weeks after you met him, you would have married No, him. not met. Two weeks after so we started, started dating. dating. Okay. So that's what I would do different. I mean, it's still a pretty short. <laughs> well, one of the reasons is because the day of my wedding, I didn't realize that I didn't want, that I, that I would have preferred a smaller wedding because I got very overwhelmed by all the people. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that I would be overwhelmed by all the people because how often do you get married? And so a wedding is just what you do. And when all those people were there, I got really overwhelmed by the crowd. And mm-hmm. so I feel like I really am a small wedding kind of girl. I didn't know that until the day of my wedding. And I knew I wanted to marry him a week after we started dating. So why not get married a week after we start dating and skip the whole wedding and just elope? And the whole dating process, because that's just not as fun right. as marriage. Right. True. It's a lot more tumultuous. Sure is. Right. So that's what I would do different and kind of how I meant. That's the short story. Very short story. Okay. Emily, you want to go next? <laughs> uh, what, what, what brought you and Omri together? And, and looking back, what do you think could have gone better? Well, we, we didn't have to break up. <laughs> we could have <laughs> stayed together instead of broken up. So how, how long did you date the first time? Um, I think it was. 10 months, like 10 months, and then we were broken up for like eight months mm. before we got back together. Mm-hmm. So, and I was in your life at this time. Yes. I was, my husband and I were your guys' small group leaders. No, we weren't Armory's. We were just yours. No, because we, our small group split right oh, as we broke up. So that was right. super convenient because then we could just go to different <laughs> small groups. <laughs> so, yeah, so we got to watch this whole thing unfold. Yeah. So, okay, so what brought you guys together in the first place? Uh, so we had, I mean, we had been at the church for a while. I, he, we had met the first night that he had moved out here. Mm -hmm. I have zero recollection of that. Like no recollection of meeting him at all, but he, I mean, he was just kind of there. I don't know. Um, and then we started dating like a year and a, I don't know, a year and a half after he moved here, maybe not really sure, but he was super just impressed by his, well, I just thought he was super good looking like right Mm -hmm. off the bat, Mm -hmm. but also just his, um, love of God's word was super important to me and it was just really evident and so I I appreciated that about him yeah yeah and then we broke up (laughs) which was all his fault really (laughs) it definitely was definitely was we don't have to relive it (laughs) I think you did when he was here (laughs) I did send him a message that said what are you doing do you even know what you just did and now you got back together and got we married. We did. So. Thank you for your message. And Cameron, you helped me, you helped talk me through how to get back together with him. So that was also <laughs> helpful. <laughs> and then you made my wedding cake. So. And really your eHarmony account yeah. in between. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Carla set up an eHarmony account for me. Not a rousing success. But the Lord said no <laughs> to, to having Emily find happiness through eHarmony. And instead he just chose Omri. That's actually, that is what happened. I just remember you saying, um, I just remember you going on a date with someone in between, uh, dating Omri and you were talking to me about it and you're like, you know what I realized? He's just not Omri. And I was that like, yeah, exactly what happened. Yep. He's not Omri. Yep. And, and then I was like, you should go and get him. I didn't know he, did he break up with you? He did. He broke up with me oh, Omri. and then he mm-hmm. like tried, He's <laughs> tried to get about back together now. like three times before I said yes. Or before I said no, mm-hmm. like no. And then 
came back around and you helped taught me through how to say. And now it's been yeah. 10 years. Now it's been 10 years. And yeah. so many children. So, so, so many, many children. children. Uh, well, the Lord brought my husband and I together through humor because I was in, and I've said this on this podcast before, I've told this story on this podcast before, but I, you know, was not a believer, but I thought I was at the time. And when I met Matt, I was just pretty superficial and I didn't think he was cute at first. And so I was just going to skedaddle. But then he started talking and he was, he, he, it was the first time I had met someone that was more funny than I was, is how the story goes. I was like, this person is actually funny. And so, uh, and then that was super attractive. And then, and then, and then it went from there. So, and yeah, looking back, dating is just super tumultuous and you're just not mature enough to handle things well. So everyone's always responding poorly. I just feel like in dating, it's hard for everyone to respond biblically because you don't even really know what that looks like. So uh, we were, and we were also just really self-absorbed too when we were dating, like our wedding was just, I, I just cared about myself on my wedding day, you know, and I wasn't trying to serve others. I wasn't trying to serve others, you know, or even my husband, I think. I think I was just serving myself. So, right. Well, I think we can <laughs> all agree <laughs> that we would skip over the dating and engagement part mm-hmm. and but oh, I mean, I think when you look back, clearly we are not advocating <laughs> not being responsible. That is not what we're doing here. But you know, now so many years later into marriage, and you know what you know what it's like, and you know where God has led you, and you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are, um, you know, you are with. I don't, I don't even know what I'm trying to say anymore. But God's will is so good to bring you together with who you're with and so kind to give us all husbands that love God, Mm -hmm. love scripture and have, and lead us well, you know? Yeah. And especially as we look back through our marriages and everything, just seeing that when you go through difficult things in a marriage, which, which all of us have done, um, just seeing that that's the person that God chose to walk you through those difficult things and how that is the, that is the perfect person. I mean, in the book of Genesis, you know, Eve was described as Adam's helper, right? So that's, that's our role in marriage is to be a helper and our husbands are the head of the marriage. Um, but, but really, you know, just to have God choose that person to lead us through those hard things. It's just so sweet. It's just really individual to each of us and sweet. Like, you know, so just yep. praise the Lord for that. I think that's what I was trying to say. Thanks, Cameron. Okay, so now we're going to take a little bit of a serious turn, and we're going to talk about our topic of trusting God through miscarriage. But before that, we always want to hear about how our guests came to know the Lord because it just allows us to remember the gospel one more time and just remember that sweet moment that God just rescued us from ourselves. So, um, Emily, why don't you tell us first how you came to know the Lord? So I was raised in a believing household. Both my parents are believers, and... You know, the, the older I get and the more, and especially now having kids, I just see what a blessing that is to have parents that are believers and that can speak to my kids about the Lord. And it's just such a kindness uh, to God, from God to me. But uh, anyway, so I was raised uh, in a Christian home. My parents were believers and they were really faithful to um, uh, talk about the Lord with us and, and read the Bible with us and share the gospel with us. And I said a prayer when I was like five years old Mm -hmm. that was not genuine Mm -hmm. at all I was just scared of going to hell I've been there yeah yeah Uh so that was not genuine and uh, my life would 
would subsequently show that as I got older and um, just lived for myself instead of, of for the Lord. And I just got into this almost like this double life kind of of just looking like this good Christian girl on Sundays and at home and then at school I was just a very different child and I was very mean and unkind and I just really had a a mouth like a sailor and spoke really unkind things and it was just all in this pursuit of glorifying myself instead of the Lord and I went to a Christian camp Hmm. when I was in junior high and I don't remember anything really about the speaker or anything else but one night he was talking about what your life should look like if you're a Christian and I just remember thinking that's not me that's not my life it doesn't look like that and so I thinking I'm a Christian I prayed to just rededicate my life to Christ and I I just think that's when I was saved because there was a lot of grief over the way that my life looked and my sin Mm -hmm. and um so I, I believe that's when I was saved and then um grew up being able, seeing a greater love for God's word and desire to be in church and doing things with the body. And then when I was almost 19, I came to, to our church now. And just, that's really, I think when the Lord just really started growing me and I started to understand his word better and um, grow in knowledge of him. So That's amazing. I just think of the, the um, few guests we've had in the past and it's kind of a similar story. Either we've gotten saved very young, we've gotten saved around junior high school. And it just, like, I think about my kids and, you know, in a, in a time where you hear a lot about, oh, kids are leaving the church. Why are kids leaving the church? I think we, we are a testimony to those kids that didn't. Yeah. And I'm hoping that we're raising children that won't, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I was, I was just um, encouraged to hear that mm-hmm. there was someone in your life in junior high that taught you about scripture and God used that to change your life. Yeah, and definitely. That's just an encouragement mm-hmm. to me as a Praise parent God. of a junior high you know, junior high age kids. So, yeah, in church camp, you know, church camp. We, I the last we episode had, was quite previous quite the traumatic church camp. Yeah, or not traumatic, church but camp. you know, it something was very, different happened with look, you. I got saved camp. at church that's, camp. Okay. Yeah, that's <laughs> so, right. There you go. You weren't chatting boys up <laughs> right. in the cafeteria was, line. Well, I don't know, but probably not. <laughs> Or meeting your husband at church I camp definitely in junior did not high school. Meet my husband at church camp. Um, so let's get into our topic for today, which is about trusting God through miscarriage. Mm-hmm. So, can you walk us, Emily, through your journey with miscarriages and what that's looked like for you? Yeah. Um, so I got. I had my first. We had our first miscarriage um, before our first child was okay. born. Um, and I, everything seemed to be fine. I was still feeling very sick. My stomach was starting to grow. How old were you? Um, 28, okay. 28. And how long had you been married? A year and a half. Okay. Yeah. Just to give a little context for oh, where you yeah. were at in your yep. stage in marriage and having kids, the age, you know, all those things. Yeah. And, and also just to, to preface this topic as well. Um, which I wish I had done before I asked you the first question. <laughs> so we're just going to rewind here. Um, I just think it's a, this is such a good thing. Uh, thank you for being willing to come on and talk about this because as we were talking a little bit earlier, it's just helpful. Not everyone always talks about miscarriage. Not not everyone. Sometimes people feel like it's a taboo topic or just not something. But it's actually really helpful to talk about it and to to hear how people were able to shepherd their heart through it and. 
everyone goes through difficult things differently, but we have the same God. We have the same word of God. And it's just helpful to talk about. So, so anyway, go ahead and continue. So you were 28 or 29 or something. Yeah, 20, you were married for like uh, 28-ish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 28-ish. I-ish. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> That's not an age. Um, and I lost my train of thought. Yeah. So you had your first one had before my... you had your first child. Yeah. Yes. I'm sorry. I have five kids. My train That's of okay. thought is no, not. Right. We'll, is... we'll help you. We'll help you. Um, yeah. So we had our first miscarriage. I had thought everything was fine. I had been acting fine or my, I had been feeling very mm-hmm. sick, feeling very pregnant. And we went into the doctor for their our first ultrasound and it was around like 10 weeks and found out the baby had died um, two and a half weeks earlier. And I had mm-hmm. no idea because my body didn't do anything different. Yeah. It didn't go into labor it didn't it acted like I was pregnant and so that was just one of those you know the technician did an ultrasound and she had to do two of them because she couldn't find a heartbeat and then you know she told us there's no heartbeat I'm really sorry and it was just one of those instinctual moments where it was just this is what the Lord has for us and we can trust him in that um but it was it was hard uh, it was, I remember going home and just like sitting in the guest room in our house and just like crying because we were going to put the baby in there and now we didn't have a baby to put in there. Um, but I think what I learned in that, which would be super helpful for later trials in general, but especially other miscarriages was, was just how important the body is mm-hmm. and being close to the body. Um, cause Cameron, you, I, I don't know if you remember, you sat on the phone with me for like an hour after the first miscarriage and you just encouraged me and prayed with me and it was just so helpful and that conversation actually just really really um formed how I thought about other miscarriages in the future and so just being close to the body I think is is what I learned is just how important it is to to be close to the body and having people to love you to care for you to pray for you to bring you dinner because you guys also brought us dinner so thank Mm. you for that it probably (laughs) didn't taste very good because you know early on I didn't know what I was doing you know it was actually from Joe's farm girl so it tasted very good (laughs) you still remember where that meal came from too (laughs) I didn't even cook that's even better that's great yeah let me bring you dinner from somewhere else because I knew my limits you know (laughs) But yeah, just having people to weep yeah, with you when you to weep, weep with you. to rejoice with you. But you know, because we're not we're not alone in in walking no. through these things where we ought not to. Be. And that's just God's kindness. To when He saves us, He saves us into a body of people that can that can love us and care for us, and then that we can do the same for them when when trial mm-hmm. hits home for other people too. to comfort others with the yep. comfort with which we've been comforted. Yep. Right. Yep. I have a question. Yes, it's not on our list of questions because I didn't think of it. <laughs> Sorry. But would you say that you were pretty open about talking about it or was it something that you felt like, oh no, you know, it it can be a difficult topic to bring Mm -hmm. up. I think we were pretty open about talking about it, mostly just because we're just pretty open people. And so there's not really much that we feel uncomfortable answering. We're pretty, you can ask us, Mm -hmm. that's just kind of how we are. So I don't think it was ever super uncomfortable to talk about. And did Omri respond similarly or was it difficult for him in a different way? Yeah, that's a great question because I think when you have miscarriage, you mostly just think about mm-hmm. the mom, but you just don't mm-hmm. think about how it affects the husband or the you know the dad mm-hmm. as well. And so, it it was. Um, he's obviously far godlier than I am, and so <laughs> his um, response was just super helpful and, and very sober minded and sensible. And you know, it was sad, it was hard for us, but um, he was able to just care for me well. And uh, yeah. So you mentioned future miscarriages. So can you walk us through kind of your whole story of... Yeah, so we had one miscarriage, and then we had two um, kids that I, like, carried full term 
praise the Lord. Neither one of those were normal pregnancies. Both of them were like, um, they just had issues. I had issues with both of them. And so that just creates a whole other heart shepherding issue because I'm trying to care for my heart, which is already anxious because I'm pregnant and I've lost a baby. And then having to have just different issues come up with them was hard as well. But um, we had two and then we had two more miscarriages after that. So the gap between my biological kids, because we adopted one in the middle there uh, through foster care, but the gap between my biological kids is six and then two. Um, Mm. And so there was a a significant period of time there where we couldn't actually get pregnant and then we would lose it when we did. Mm. Um, And Mm. so that was really hard. I think that I found, I think one of the things that I really struggled with and and saw... um, in, in me was just, it was so easy to weep with people. Mm-hmm. It was not easy to rejoice with people. Mm. It was very hard to rejoice with those who rejoice. Um, and I'm no less obligated to obey that command because the Lord has given it to us, but it was so hard to do. I just, and even to the point where I just didn't want to rejoice with people. I just had no desire to do that at all mm. and had to just really work through what, what it is, is just bitterness, right? And thinking that the Lord owes me something that mm-hmm. he hasn't given me. And that's right. Why, why has the, why does this person get this? And this I don't person? get this. Yep. And so it was, that was, I think the hardest thing for me about it was just trying to still be obedient to God's word. But I, it was, I had to drag my heart along there cause I just didn't have a desire to do that. And it was, it was so dumb too. I would find myself like being angry with people for being pregnant. Mm-hmm. Like they had any control over that at all. <laughs> like mm-hmm. that's not, you know, they didn't, they don't have control over that. Just like, I don't have control over it and we're all just trusting the Lord, but. And there are a thousand things that we could say that with, you know, people who, who don't ever get pregnant, you know, and they, they can't conceive or they, 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 they don't ever get married or, you know, there's always something, there's always something that we want that we're not getting in the way that other people have it or the way that we perceive that they have it. Um, it's just part of the human heart and just not being fully satisfied because there's just nothing under this, under the sun that can, that can satisfy us in that way, except for the Lord. Right. Yeah. Well, and I appreciate your honesty so much. Emily, just you, you saying that, you know, that Mm -hmm. it was hard for you to rejoice. It's hard to, it's hard to face our hearts sometimes when there's sin and when you find yourself being discontent with God's will and what that really means in our hearts and how, how, you know, the, our own personal declaration of independence when we choose to be discontent. And there's an idol there, right? If I'm like, Mm-hmm. so angry that I'm refusing to that's what I tell my kids right like there's an idol in your heart if you're willing to sin to get it right and so right. I'm like willing to sin to like be angry with other people because they have something so like clearly there's an idol in my heart that I need to like deal with and not leave yeah unchecked. yeah and I remember I didn't I did not experience miscarriages but I did experience one very difficult pregnancy mm-hmm. where um I was on bed rest there was a lot of concern about his growth I had to see the doctor every three days I had to get oh ultrasounds once a month. Um, and I just remember thinking he is in a place where God is caring for him far better than I. And I just remember the biggest lesson from that was that I have this perceived idea that after they're born, I care for them, (laughs) but really God is the sustainer of life. And if anything, he's in a place where it's so evident that all I can do is trust the Lord for this baby's life as if I have anything to do with that Mm -hmm. after they're born. And I just really, it just was a comfort to know he is in the best place because he is in God's care. 
And I'm just kind of silly for believing that I have a part, you know, that, that I sustain his life in any way. So that was a big lesson because of how hard that pregnancy was. And we really didn't know if he was going to be okay until he was born. Mm-hmm. Ultrasound said, said certain things, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we really didn't know. I thought I was going to bring home a five-pound baby. They told me he was going to be tiny. And he ended up being over seven pounds. He end- actually ended up being my biggest one. You know, so things like that where you just, you, the, you, God just puts these, you in situations where all you can do is trust because he, ultimately he is the sustainer of life. I did bring home five-pound babies. Um, but that's just how we grow. <laughs> me too. <laughs> that's just how we grow. Um, but yeah, and going back to the anger and the bitterness, there's also just so much pride, at least when I see that in my own heart, rooted in it and like, I know better. Oh, I, I actually, I actually know what's better for me, Lord, and this is not it. So you are doing something wrong. And at its base, we are just accusing God of, of not being good and of not being wise and thinking that we, and it was so, it's just so the opposite of everything that scripture tells us. It's just so the opposite of, um, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding that he is the one that has all wisdom, you know, and, um, in Romans 16, it says to the only wise God mm-hmm. and just doubting the goodness. Like I think of Romans eight thirty two, um, you know, if God who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? So the whole point of the gospel, and that's just an argument from the lesser to the, no, from the greater to the lesser, right? Yeah. He didn't spare his own son. Like if he didn't, if he didn't do that, how, how will he not also do everything for us? But, and yet, and yet, you know, we're just, we're just sinful and we're just in a mixed condition still. And so we just struggle with that kind of idolatry and that sort of, we struggle to just say, yes, Lord. Okay. Yes. Miscarriage. Okay. Yes. You know, uh, sickness or whatever it is that's going on in our life, financial hardships or whatever. We just struggle to just say yes and submit. And that verse, Cameron, that you just said, Romans eight thirty two. You actually shared that with me on the phone, and <laughs> and it was so helpful for my heart because it was it was just this: the Lord has already demonstrated the height of His love for me in giving up His Son. How is He not loving me in this? There's no way that He's not loving me in this because He's already given up His Son for me. You know? Yeah. Yeah. We're going to move on to the next question because if we could probably keep talking about this forever, but we do need to keep going. Okay. Um, and that's your last, what you just said actually kind of leads into the next one. And so we just wanted to know um, what scriptures upheld you as you grieved. Yeah, there were, you know, there were so many that were just super helpful. The first one that I always run to and always have is just John 6, 68 to 69. Um, and Jesus has just given some hard teaching and people are leaving. And he turns to his disciples and says, are you going to leave me too? And Simon Peter says, um, where else would we go? You have the words of eternal life we have seen and come to know that you're the Holy One of God. And just that idea of where else would I go but to Christ? Like there is nowhere else that's going to like um, provide anything that I need but in Christ. And so that's just always been really helpful to me for me in trials, um, miscarriages being no different than, you know, other. Well, I mean, anyway, but yeah, I have trials. We all have trials and they're not always the same. <laughs> but that verse has always just been very helpful to me in that um as well and then ecclesiastes oh 11 5 um just talks we about, have a bible well, i do i do too i was we just trying do. to remember it um but it just talks about how the lord like who knows how a spirit gets into the bones of a baby in a mother's womb you know mm-hmm. and after my second miscarriage my doctor was he's not a believer i i love my doctor he's excellent he's been through almost every one of my pregnancies with me um but he's not a believer and he knows that we are and and he had told me that 
with all of our medical wisdom and, and all of our technology, we still don't know how a baby becomes a baby with a personality, you know. Mm-hmm. And it was just this excellent reminder to me that God's ways are not ours. You know, Isaiah yeah. 55, that's what it says, right? Um, and um, God's wisdom is so much greater than man's wisdom. And so just, you know, Isaiah 55, 1 Corinthians 1, 1 I think that's 1 Corinthians 1, God's wisdom, 10, yeah, 1 yeah, Corinthians yeah, yeah. 10. Um, but just those passages knowing that God's ways are so much higher than mine and so much higher than this medical. My, my doctor is actually a really like good doctor. Like he's really like really talented and good and, and yet – he still doesn't know, you know, how a baby comes. It's like the be. monarch butterfly. Yes. Okay. And their migration and yeah. how they just know how to get there. I lo- First of all, Emily, I'm just going to say I like that you know where okay. I was going. We watch a lot of wild crats in my house. Yeah. <laughs> wild crats. Um, but yeah, because the monarch butterfly, as anyone who's been to Butterfly Wonderland knows or or watches wild crats, apparently haven't seen that episode, but I hope to <laughs> put that on my watch list. Um they they're born in one place like new york there's like a, well there's journeys there's different places the butterflies can't be born but the ones that are born in like new york or up there in canada i don't know where they are they don't ever there. make it back they just make their no, migration they just they make die. their migration and everyone knows where they're going they're all going to this one forest in mexico it's just like the most ridiculous thing and in the in the, in the movie because i did go to like butterfly wonderland or whatever which by the way is a sad place it's sad <laughs> because you can step on it's like there's always butterflies have we talked about this on the podcast before oh my gosh it's like it is wonderful at first it's just like the world you know it looks all wonderful at first you walk out there there's butterflies everywhere in this room and it's amazing and plants and there's a walkway but then there are these dark edges where there are dead butterflies all over and there's always the there are always these discreet workers with a little dustpan just trying to sweeping up up the dead butterflies don't look too close kids just look at the air you know, anyway. But yeah, scientists don't know how these butterflies know where to go. So yeah, we don't know how life comes into, because it's only God. God yeah. creates life. That's that's what makes him, that's part of what makes him God. And now that I have stopped laughing, because <laughs> seriously, like, <clears throat> I had to cough. I was laughing so hard because that butterfly comet came out of nowhere. And I just have to say that butterfly, the, the butterfly encounter, whatever it's called, is like Sydney's least favorite thing ever. Because butterflies are beautiful when they're not, when they don't land on you. Oh, my daughter loved having a butterfly land on her. It oh. was like, she still talks. I mean, it was like years ago and she still yeah. talks about it. My yeah. daughter, it scared her out of her <laughs> mind. She doesn't like bugs. She thought she liked butterflies. But you know, you kind of see how buggy they are. Yeah. Anyway, we should probably move on. <laughs> Thank you, Cameron, for the lovely <laughs> butterfly tangent, although highly applicable to our topic. Highly. <laughs> okay. What have you learned about God as you have walked through miscarriage? You know, in I your think life? one of the, the best things that we did after the first miscarriage, well, Aubrey had already read it, but I read through um, Pink's Attributes of God. And so just being immersed in God's character was just so helpful because there's so much comfort to find in just who the Lord is. And so that was really, really helpful in um, helping me to think rightly uh, about that. And so, (laughs) sorry, I like lost my train of thought and had to find, I found it again. I found it. (laughs) Is there a specific character that sticks out? Um, I know that there's times when you look back and you're like, well, it's like kind of like, um, 
Well, it's the whole Bible. Well, it's the whole <laughs> it's the whole character of God. But is there one that specifically just um, has stuck close to your heart? I think just the sustaining power of the Lord. Um, the Lord is the one that sustains. Well, He sustains His creation, which is just amazing to me that He like created this whole world and universe and galaxies and stars, and He like didn't just let it go. He still sustains his creation he brings rain on the land and so just knowing that like the lord sustains me as well he gives me breath every day he gives his mercies every day which you know they are new every day and just how kind of the lord and so there are some days where you're just so sad Mm -hmm. um and you just have to go to the lord you have to to fall on your knees before him and and talk to him and um just knowing that like the the next day will come Mm -hmm. by god's grace you know and um and so just knowing that he is the one that gets you through every, every minute. I mean, and there were, there were times where my kids, you know, cause with the second two miscarriages, I had, I had two kids already and, um, three, cause we had foster care. We had a foster child, but, um, there'd be times where I would just like go into my bathroom and cry and then like, listen to, listen to worship music or read a verse or something just to like reorient my heart. But knowing that like the Lord just gives me the next moment, I think was just really sweet yeah and he doesn't give us more than we can bear you know he doesn't he doesn't ever burden us beyond what we can you know with temptation he doesn't um ever give us not a way out (laughs) that's not the way you say that there you he always offers us a way of escape is what it says in first corinthians 10 13 someone can look it up and and not butcher it in that way but um but it's true he does give us exactly what we need when we had a miscarriage. Um, we had a miscarriage between our second and our third as well. Mm-hmm. So we had two kids and then, and we had, I had had total normal, I had had totally normal pregnancies and then had a miscarriage. And you do just have to think through what you actually believe theologically about who God is and his character. Um, and if you don't know that before that day, it's, it, that, 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 that compounds the struggle. If you are not fully confident in the character of God and in his goodness, before something like that happens, then you do flail. You do flail because you don't know if you can trust God anymore because this bad thing has happened to you. But if you know that you can, that God is trustworthy before that day comes, then when that day comes, you're like, okay, um, God is trustworthy. And then we also just know in general what the Bible says about trials, right? So, um, so looking back and, and just to, you know, James 1, 2 comes to mind about considering it joy when you face various trials because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance or steadfastness. And Romans 5 says something similar. First Peter 1, 7 says that though now, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials again so that our faith would result in praise and honor and glory to um, at, the, at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Anyway. So we know that trials produce something really good in our faith. Um, so looking back, Emily, have have you seen fruit from going through those difficult things as you've relied on the character of God and he's, he has sustained you? Yeah, I think that, you know, every trial you go to, you go through, prepares you for the next one, right? Yeah. Um, and so being able to go through one miscarriage, we were ready for the next mm-hmm. one. You know, it wasn't like it was this, um, brand new experience, right? You know, like it was like, okay, we've been through this before. What did we do last time? What can we tell ourselves again? What do we need need to remember that's true? Um, and so, and then that miscarriage prepares you for the next one and, you know, and so, and then, and then other trials that have come. And so, yeah, I think that you just get to see the Lord growing you and bringing you through because trials are never not going to be there. There is always going to be trials. And so when you endure one, by God's grace, then you, you're prepared for the next ones. And I think that's just been really sweet. And then being able to like, 
talk with other people about it too is is sweet I, I've been, I know there's been times where in my like zeal to share what God has taught me I don't help other people well you know I'm just like oh let me tell you everything that I like <laughs> learned about this and it's just maybe not helpful all the time um, but just being able to like talk with other people and and help encourage them is really sweet too I just want to ask you one more thing because I think it's really important because of this topic what advice would you give to really, I mean, if you think of just women in general, I mean, I don't, I don't know, we have time to go through every category, but like, you know, someone who hasn't had children, someone who mm-hmm. is experiencing a miscarriage, you know, um, mm-hmm. what advice would you give them? Um, well, I think on a super practical level, my first thing would be just to make sure you go to see an OB that you trust, right? I mean, when you go through like mm-hmm. miscarriages or when you're pregnant or when anything is happening, you know, like you want to have a doctor that you trust, that you feel comfortable going to and asking questions, you know, and that he's going to care for you well. Um, yeah. So I think that's like a, just a super practical thing that I would think of. But I think just um, on a different level, going back to, I think what I had said earlier about being close to the body, I think mm-hmm. it's so important to be close to the body because whether you're wanting to get pregnant and you just can't, um, you need people in your life to help speak truth to you and to care for you and to love you. And when you've gone through a miscarriage, you need people to speak truth to you and love mm-hmm. you and care for you, you know. And so whatever it is, I mean, don't don't move yourself away from the body because then you, you break out against sound wisdom, right? It's what Proverbs mm-hmm. 18, 1, I think. Um, but just be close to the body because God is so kind to give us a body to be close to. And so you want to just utilize what God has given us. Yeah, because there's a temptation to just want to be on our own, think our own yeah. thoughts and wallow, you know, and and that's just a different thing than grieving because yeah. you are actually able to grieve well. You're able to grieve to the glory of God. This this life is sad sometimes, you know, and you're able to grieve um, while still worshiping, yeah. you know, yeah. Um, and but was with still trusting the Lord, but it's when that grieving turns into something else, when it turns into self pity or thinking that, as you said earlier, that you deserve something good from God. Which again, everything in Scripture just tells us that we don't. Um, it's it's when that shift starts to happen that you need people looking in and being like, oh, but that's because actually it happens not so true. easy. It happens, it happens so, so easily, easy. and we are so um, we just let our guards down, and we have a tendency to just uh, want to hear things that tickle our ears, as yeah. it were, you know, and. Um, want to make us feel better, yeah. feel good about ourselves and how we did nothing wrong, but maybe mm-hmm. God did or whatever. And there's just really subtle. Our hearts are deceitful. That's just never going to change while we're on this earth. And so that's when you need the body of Christ to come around you and yeah. just be looking into your life, even though it's hard yeah. and it is hard. And it I, first for different personalities, it's harder to let people yeah. in, but you have to let people in, um, to both love you and comfort you and also to hold you accountable and to warn you because that's how this is what we all need as the body of Christ. Yeah. That's true. And I think, too, we just sometimes, um, when it's hard, forget that God gives good gifts. And he doesn't withhold anything good. And um, even in miscarriage, that is still true about who God is. Mm -hmm. Um, So, okay, we're going to wrap it up because we're out of time. So thank you, Emily, for just sharing your heart Mm -hmm. and for um, encouraging us today. So we want to remind you of what is eternal. So I'll start that again. We will leave you with Isaiah 48. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Thank you for listening.